Hi, this is Carl, and I am joined today by a very special guest, my friend, my coach, my <laughs> everything, a co-conspirator in creating some good content and a teacher for me and many, many good things, Mr. Josh Peterson from Bering McKinley. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Carl. Thank you very much. So before I let you give your introduction to who you are and what you do, I just tell people that when I was uh, uh, looking for a coach, I met Josh. He was running a, a team, and I'm still in touch with many of the people who were in that. Uh, at the time, it was a peer group, and we uh, uh, we did some many cool things together, and I learned a lot about how I should look at my business a little bit differently. And so uh, I guess in many ways, a lot of what you see me giving advice about is stuff that I learned from Mr. Josh Peterson. So let there be no mistake about it. I take no credit for anything intelligent I might ever say. So. <laughs> so why don't you tell us what you think you're all about? Sure. Well, that might be a little bit of an overstatement, Carl. I think we steal just as much from you as, as you may have ever learned from us. So, <laughs> uh, you know, my background is as a management consultant for the last 14 years, which is hard to believe it's been that long, but it's been a long journey. So I started out at a company called Taylor Business Group as a management consultant and worked under my mentor, Larry Scholes, who pretty much taught me everything I know about being a consultant and about the industry. So about four years ago, we started Barry McKinley and we're just a management consultant firm. We do our peer teams, which we're working on accountability and education. We're doing our direct one-on-one -on -one consulting. We're always, just about every day, we've got a consultant sitting in your offices somewhere around the world working working side by side with your service managers, your salespeople, your sales managers, your bookkeepers, just trying to increase that profitability, increase that growth, increase that uh, employee quality of life and the quality of life for your, for your end users and your clients. So those are that's kind of the, the nutshell of what we do, and we do it all with a very strong um, attention to the numbers. We always want to make sure that if we recommend a process change or strategic change, that it's going to translate through the numbers. So we like to think that through our, our mentorship with Larry Scholes that we kind of wrote the book on, on about 14 key financial metrics for the business. Very nice. So uh, one of the things that I absolutely give you all the credit for is me actually paying attention to the right numbers because I knew my numbers. You yeah. know, my business, when I first started with uh, having you as a coach, yeah. I knew what my totals were. I knew at the end of the day, this is how much money we brought in last month. This is how much profit. And, uh, you know, this is how much monthly recurring revenue we had. But I didn't know the, the juicy details. I didn't know the KPIs that actually made all the difference. And I, I sort of, I liken it to this big machine with all of these adjustments. And you turn this little knob over here and other stuff goes up and down. And so I, I guess you help me understand the complex nature of my numbers so that, and to be honest, it was without having a hundred numbers to look at because some right. systems, they literally, they want you to measure 150 variables. And I just, I think it's humanly impossible to do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it is hard. And we, and, you know, through the, that 14 years, we've really kind of, synthesized it down to like 14 numbers, which still sounds like a lot. 
but we, we give you the platform to measure it. So our peer team members, they're using our portal to upload direct link from their Intuit, from their QuickBooks, right into our portal, and it spits out every month exactly where they stand. So they don't have to be running through a bunch of papers and spreadsheets trying to say, it's too much work this month, I'll do it later. We can just say, it's uploaded automatically, take a look, and then we can have some really good discussions either one-on-one -on -one with, with your consultant or in your peer team saying, why? Why is it this way? Why is that service salaries to service revenue ratio so off this month when before it looked better than it did now? So we, we do try to keep it, keep it very, very simple because who cares? No one loves numbers. It's not fun. You know, it is for me. I love it, but I'm weird, you know, but we try to make it so that it's at least tolerable and, and meaningful to folks. Well, I do love the numbers. I, th I think Excel is my best friend, right? When I'm, when I'm thinking of a new program, I, the first thing I do, break out Excel and say, well, what's the potential revenue? What's the potential profit? And what's the realistic cost? You know, like I'm doing this road show. Hey, you know, what does it cost to fly into a city, rent a hotel room, get a meeting room, you know, da 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 da, -da um, handouts cost money, the whole deal. I want to make sure I'm not going to lose anything on this. So, so I love that Excel. But man, I've had coaching clients that literally, they look at their numbers once every quarter. Yeah, I don't understand how you stay in business doing that. Yeah, and you know, there's a there's kind of this like I don't know inflection point uh, in your growth where there's a period of time when it's okay to just say, "Do we have money in the bank at the end? Did I have enough to pay myself what I wanted to pay, and did I make payroll?" That's okay. That's a natural part of getting started. But there's this point that says, "Why aren't we making more money?" And once you start getting curious of beyond just can I pay the bills and can't, how can I make more money? We got to understand how the money that's coming in is turning into profit today. So it's, it's, it's an evolution for sure. You know, right. do we have money in the bank and uh, can I pay myself what I want to pay myself? You know, those are okay metrics in the beginning, but what got you here ain't going to get you there. <laughs> it's almost like going back 150 years before people actually used balance sheets, you know? Yeah. The, yeah. All they know is how much money's in the bank, right? And which gets you a long ways. It just it doesn't get you all the way. That's right. So um, let me just pause and ask, what's the deal with peer teams? Because you got a great little phrase about this. Oh sure, yeah. You know, there's in our industry, we have a lot of phenomenal organizations bringing owners together, trying to get them to hold each other accountable, hold each other. Uh, to a standard that they're all going to try to, uh, you know, reach and and be successful. We've been doing them. I've been doing them for 13 of my 14 years, been facilitating peer, peer environments. At Barry McKinley, we really tried to be, um, what's the word, uh, innovative. And we think, we think we're doing something special. And one of the first things we had to do is say, what is a group? Well, we got kind of, you know, cynical on it. We said a group is for counseling. A group is for therapy. We're a team and we're here to win. So when we sat down and said, why is somebody going to join a Barry McKinley peer team? It's you want to win at something. Whether you want to win at making more money and keeping that scorecard of your success as, as a business owner or entrepreneur, you might want to win at having a better quality of life. You might want to win at uh, achieving some level of uh, success that we don't even know about, but you're there to win. So we stress that all the time, and that's that's kind of our, our hook on them, but 
we're bringing the same, you know, bring 10 folks together. They're meeting in Chicago. They're looking through the financials and then they're talking about how they're doing business. And then we're measuring, are you making money how you're doing it? Great, proceed. If you want to do something radically different, excellent. Prove to me, prove to your team that your way is going to generate the profits that you need to, both gross profit and net profit. Because if it ain't, let's not dig our heels on the ground. So you mentioned Chicago. So tell me about that, that run of the mill. You just have one kind of one core type of peer team, right? Close. So, we've, we've, got, we've got one for owners and we've got one for service managers. Okay. All right. But our, generally speaking, our peer teams are meeting in Chicago twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall. Let's not deal with the summer thunderstorms and the winter snowstorms. Let's get you in in a room. It's not fancy. We don't have a lot of vendor participation. You're sitting in and you're grinding for two days. It's a lot, a lot of work. It's not a retreat. It's not a uh, social gathering so much. It's get in, work, go home. Then every single month, you're working with your team on a phone call, just like you and I are doing right here, saying what's working, what's not working, what are the financials, and let's get back to work. So it's not it's not the thing that's gonna uh, drain your time, but it's also gonna be the thing that the as much as you put into it is what you're gonna get out of it. Make sense? So, yeah, so uh, I, I will give you one little bit of advice. Let's pretend I'm your coach for a minute. Okay. Turn off. Oh, for God's sake, I know. <laughs> <laughs> if I know how to do that, I'm telling you what, I don't know what's wrong with me. Let so, me see. Uh, uh, it's so funny because one of my big mantras is like, I'm yeah. never interrupt driven. I like, I don't have my phone on. I don't have my outlook pop-ups on. That's, I know. I this love is that. like the best example ever. I'm going to just, I'm gonna, I was like silently saying, I hope they can't hear that. <laughs> clearly you can. And I need that reminder that get out of that. Stuff. When, uh, when I'm in a presentation and with somebody, especially from Microsoft, but almost anybody, and I always like get my camera ready in the lower right hand corner because a thing will yeah. pop up and it'll, it'll literally be like, hey, I need your end of the quarter numbers or something like that from their boss. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, I'll snap a picture of one that's from like Steve Ballmer or something. <laughs> you know. uh, oh, and, Carl, I might have to hire somebody to help me turn off these. <laughs> I don't know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe I'll do a video on that. So that'd be a great video. Yes. So uh, anyway. Uh, so back to peer teams. So you got owners and, and service managers, which is awesome. I didn't know there were even th those two. Twice a year in Chicago and every other month is by a video call where everybody can see each other. Every month. Every month if they're not meeting in person. So they've got 10 phone call, video calls, and two in-person call meetings. Very cool. So now I think I mentioned to you that you know one of the people I like most in the world asked me this question, which is, how come I can't have a peer team or a peer group where I don't have to share my numbers? You know, I know this person you're referring to, and I got a chance to talk to this person uh, at an event last week, and he said exactly what you just said. <laughs> I said, you know, let's, let's dig into this a little bit. And what, what we came to the conclusion is, we don't mind sharing percentages, we just don't want to share raw numbers. And so in talking to this person, it became clear to me that one of the things I need to make more clear is I care about your percentage of profit, not your net profit dollars. I care about your percentage of gross profit, not your gross profit dollars. 
I care about what percentage you're spending on service salaries relative to your service revenue, not how much you're making in service revenue. Now, what I know for a fact is that if we get in that room with 10 guys and we start talking about percentages, eventually somebody's going to sit next to the other guy and say, well, how much recurring revenue do you have? And that guy's going to be happy to say it. But absolutely, we keep those things as private as we can to say when we go through our, our, um, our presentation, it's all percentage-based. So you're going to share your numbers in a very private setting. Only thing anyone's going to see is those percentages unless you choose to show them the raw number. Right. Does that make well, sense? When I was in the group, I remember the first time we shared our numbers, uh, they anonymized all of them. So mm -hmm. instead of uh, KP Enterprises or whatever, it would say A, B, C, D. Right. <laughs> it took about 20 minutes before people were like, oh, obviously I'm I, right? right. Obviously I'm J. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough balance. I'd say over the, over the 14 years, we've probably come across, you know, a, a half a dozen people who, who really want to be in, but they can't get over that hurdle of the numbers. So, you know, we, the percentages is our, is our best solution to that. Right. So here's a question. What, what's the actual benefit to me of showing you my numbers? Like one-on-one, -on -one, I can imagine you would look at my numbers and give me all kinds of great advice because you have a knowledge about those numbers that most people don't. Like you can literally say you have, you know, 1.5 FTEs. Therefore, I want you to have this much revenue per month period. Like you just know this stuff in your head. What's the point of me sharing it with whatever, 10 other business owners who don't have that kind of analytical understanding of the numbers? Well, there's, there's a two part piece to it. One of it is, um, you know, if we, if we think of like we Catholics go to confession, we go to confession because we need to verbalize our sins. We need to get them out there and say, I did this thing wrong. Now, whether we believe in confession, don't believe in confession, there's something cathartic about getting in front of a group of people and saying, this is what I did, right? They may not be able to give you this amazing feedback to say, ah, there's the nuance in the number, but there's something about exposing yourself out saying, this is what I've performed at. This is the rawness of it. The other piece of it is, I want to know who the heck I'm talking to. So let's think of any team. Let's think about a, a track team or a long distance running team. And we said, well, we're just all here to run, right? We all want to do the best we can. Well, we're all sharing information about how we're running, why we're running the way we are. But if we're all running in a little vacuum and we never share how well we performed in these different runs, why do I want to listen to a guy that runs a 20 minute mile? Tell me about what kind of shoes to wear and whether I should keep my body like this or whether I should put my head down. Like, dude, you're running a 20 minute mile. I want to listen to the guy who's <laughs> running a seven minute mile. So I want to know who I'm getting this input from. So I'll, you know, we go on the ASCII boards, we go on the Reddit boards and everybody has amazing input and advice to share with one another. And it usually starts out with, you know what you should do is, or what I do is, or you want to do this. They usually say something amazing after that, but I want to know, does it work? How right. is it? How, who am I talking to? Am I talking to a guy who has this stuff together or not? So there's a certain degree of bonding around the numbers. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. Well, and even at the conferences, you know, there's so many people that you talk to and they, they act like they got all their stuff together. And then sure. back home, they're like, you know, barely able to make ends meet. So, right. 
Yeah, it, it does make a difference. So along those lines, what about people who are struggling? Do, should they wait until they're not struggling in order to, because you have a monthly fee, obviously. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard for people to eat that out and say, where's my ROI when right. I'm ba- barely able to make my payroll? It's a, it's, that's tough. And that, that is, um, it is your classic catch 22. I should join one now, but I can barely afford to do it. We've had guys show up to their first meeting and um, you know, everything looks fine. The numbers look a little rough. And a year later, they'll reveal to us, hey, man, that first time I came out, I could barely afford to get my car out of the airport parking lot because I had so I was just so desperate. I was in such a bad position. So it really is about your belief that by taking this step, you will improve the quality of, of your financials and your financial results. So, you know, if, if you're barely making rent, you know, at home or can't pay yourself, don't spend this money right now, but call us. We'll figure out a way to help you that you can afford. But we've really priced it and we've made it as affordable as we can for people. So I believe we're the only peer team organization out there that allows month to month payments. So instead of coming up with 40 grand or, you know, four grand or whatever it is in one big chunk, we say, you're going to pay us the 350 a month. And if you can't pay it, well, let's work something out. We had a guy, uh, on the East Coast recently, he joined a peer team in uh, October, and by December his business had fallen apart. A couple of huge clients stopped paying, and he's like, "Josh, I got to drop out of the peer peer team. I can't pay." And I'm like, "I'll tell you what. Show up at the next meeting. Be there. We'll carry you." And this guy just last month paid what is it? Eight months worth of invoices. Wow. So, so we, you know, if you talk to us and your only reason that you won't do it is that you can't afford it then scrape together the bus fare and uh, come sleep on my couch while you're here and I'll make you some top ramen, you know, get, get to it. If that's the only reason get here anyway, we'll work with you. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's great. That's very nice. You can't wait, you know, and it's not, it's not altruism either. I'm gonna get paid. Right. (laughs) To help you. You know what I care about that. (laughs) It's Amy being nice. It's me saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make you look like a star. You just throw me some crumbs when you get there. Right. Well, also, in addition to just the money side, people are at different levels of their business. Some people are challenged with how am I going to hire my first employee when I, you know, I got to come up with 40 or 50, $60,000 on top of what I'm already trying to get out of this business. How do you do that? How do you make that from leap from one to two? Uh, Because that's the biggest, biggest increase you'll ever have in your business is 100%. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, And other people are like, Oh man, I, you know, I can't get above 500,000 or I can't get above a million. And you know, everybody's got a different challenge. So how do the, the teams help each other? Do you try to put people together that are similar sizes? Yeah, we, we look at three, three levels. Uh, The first two are very obvious. It's what's your revenue, you know, and that one is of, of marginal helpfulness in placing you in a group. Because we can have a guy that's doing 800000 who has one employee and sells 70% of everything is product. Uh, so the next layer is a little less obvious. It's your head count. You know, if you've got 10 employees, you've got five employees, you've got 20 employees, we're going to try to group you together. But then the, the more subtle is how well are you going to fit with these people? Because the first reaction everyone says is, I don't want to be the biggest person in my group I, because I, I want to learn from people who are doing better than right. me. Absolutely. 
and that sounds makes sense, right? What we have to do is we have to break that down and say, let us take our knowledge of where we think you are and place you in a group that we think you have the most to learn from and in common with. There's no sense me putting your $800,000 company in with some $2 million guys who are a mess. Why don't I put you in with a couple of guys who just recently got to 800,000 and are tracking up to 1.5 in the next year and a half. So we, we try to take a lot of, a lot of axes of, of data and decide where to place you. But it does tend to break down by headcount and revenue size. But occasionally there'll be somebody who, you know, is look, looks abnormal. We've got a guy who's 300,000 in a room with a bunch of guys that are in two to 5 million, but this guy's killing it and he's on his way, you know, but his mindset is so driven. If I put him in with some guys who are lifetime, $400,000, guys, he's going to go crazy because these guys are trying to figure out profit protection and retirement, not, you know, hyper growth. Right. Right. So retirement, totally different subject, but, uh, do you deal with the, uh, the exit strategies? Yeah, that's a, it's a huge part of what we do. You know, we've, there's guys who've been around longer than us, I suppose, not, not many, but we're aging, right? This, you know, not many companies are older than starting in 95, 96. Most of these guys started in 98, 99. There's some printer copier guys older than that, but it means if you started that business when you were 30, you're, you're damn near 50 now and we got to get real, real. So we start a lot of our consulting conversations and our peer team conversations with, what do you want? It, you know, if you're, if you're 50 and you want 10 good years of working left, you got to put the kids through college. Is this the time to be dumping money into a expensive, you know, sales build out and marketing build out? Or is it the time to buckle down and try to get 20, 30% net profit? And then when we get to that exit strategy, we're always thinking about how, how have you saved, what's the portfolio look like, and what does it need to start looking like now? And we've got a lot of material around what the next steps actually look like because we've, we've watched a lot of guys buy and sell businesses, and that's not a pretty world for the million-dollar guy. Right. So um, you also do – a diversity, you have people from all over the country. So if I were to join, what are the chances I'd be, I'd be sitting there next to somebody from Sacramento, California? Probably very small chance, very small chance. Yeah, we try to keep them in, well, not even try, we keep them in non-competitive markets. There is occasion in, uh, be like Los Angeles or New York, you might have the same city name, but I'm pretty certain you've never heard of each other, come up against each other. Right. So We've got a group with three Chicago guys. We've got a group with two New York guys. It's, we, we make sure very closely. And we just give the whoever's in the group already the right of first refusal on bringing that person in based on geography. Right. Well, and Chicago's a perfect – actually, New York and Los Angeles, too. They're yeah, right. An example of where there's people in such a, a compact area with so many people that – I mean, I hardly ever go up against anybody I know in Sacramento – I can't imagine right. in Chicago that I'd ever go up against somebody I know. So, yep. So it's interesting when I think about, you know, the evolution of my business that I, I got into, I got, did HTG for a while and then I did the Taylor business group with you uh -huh. and it really was dramatic in helping me focus my business, helping me to, to figure out. Cause when you, when you say I'm ready to focus on growth, I want to go from here to there. Uh, that's all great, and it's, it's a beautiful decision to make. But if you don't know what 
specifically to focus on, it makes the job much harder. And in a, uh, the, the group, it was pretty easy to say, uh, oh, okay, these guys are focusing on sales and these guys are focusing on training and, you know, da 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 like, where's my weakness? And, um, you know, it became obvious very quickly um, that everybody's got to make everything work and kind of where I was strong and where I was weak. So right. it, it was almost a mirror to hold up against my own business. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You, you get, you get in a room with, you know, I always, I always kind of analogize it to, um, you know, when you're a kid and you think you can get away with something, whether it's speeding or, you know, not wearing your seatbelt or whatever, you, you think you got all the answers until that cop is shining his light in your window and you're having to say, Oh, uh, well, you see, you know, it just, you think you have the answers until you sit in this room with nine other guys and they're saying, that's interesting. Tell me more. And you struggle, you know, you struggle to the, to your why. And once you break down that resistance or that kind of ego piece of it and say, forget it, I'm here to learn. And I want to question everything I'm doing and then re-solidify, you know, it, it's, it can be a scary place until you do that. Right. So this is a two day adventure in Chicago. Yep. Yep. Um, when you do that and everybody, uh, of course they probably socialize together. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Go till midnight, you stop at, at a reasonable hour and then everybody has dinner together. And yeah. so yeah. that's pretty cool too. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. We do. Uh, we've just kind of changed our format a little bit where we, where we're bringing this year, we have four of the individual groups all coming together in Chicago on the same two day period. So we're super excited to have them come in, meet until about four or five. We have a, a cocktail hour for them for a couple hours from six to eight. And then they can go buddy up and go to dinner, go drink, whatever they like to do, and then just be ready in your seats at 9 a.m. the next morning. So we're super, super excited about that. Very nice. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be real fun. So let me ask you a completely self-serving question. Do you right. require that everybody read managed services in a month? Well, this is an important thing right here, Carl, is that we want to. We want to make some groups of people who are super into the philosophies and the teachings of that book. I think there's a huge community of people who've read it and they have it right there on their shelf and they're trying to live it, but they're kind of alone, aren't they? Right? In, in, on the day to day. Right. So, by all means, that's going to be our next step is to find something to focus them around. Well, we'll, we'll have to put something together. We'll see if I, I can figure it out. Idea. So Absolutely. That'd be great. Now, here's, a, here's the next question. So you say folks are going month to month. Does that mean that they can drop out any time or do they, they make a three-year commitment? It's like buying a server or? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, a majority of our members have stayed with us for over three years, but we do, we only ask them to pay month to month. In fact, we discourage people from paying the full year up front. Part of it is we owe them something and they owe their group something. So we owe you great facilitation, great education, great organization to make sure that you know what's happening your whole way through. And if we don't earn your money, I want to hear about it because you get your invoice and two days later, your credit card is charged. I want to hear when you're not happy about your credit card getting charged. I don't really want to hear it, but I have to hear it and it's helpful. <laughs> right. Um, so if I take your money all up front and you don't like it, I put you in the wrong group. You think I'm a jerk. You know, all these things can have, can happen, have happened, will happen again. I don't want you, you know, saying, well, I'm stuck. I never want you stuck here. 
So you'll participate for as long as you want to participate. And we have a very low attrition rate and we're, we're thankful for that. Very nice. Well, so where do we get in touch with you and, and how do we, how do we kind of follow up on this? Okay. So I ask when I, when people ask that question, I always ask for three things. One of them is the minute you stop listening to this, this recording, I want you to just shut it all down, take three or four minutes. That's all I'm asking for you. And just visualize what it'd be like to be in a peer team. What's in it for you? What would you want out of it? And if at the end of that three or four minutes, you say, that's actually pretty cool sounding. <laughs> I want you to do number two, and that's email me, josh at barrymckinley.com, and request an appointment, and we'll talk immediately. And the third thing I want you to do is, and this is not, again, it's not me being a nice guy. I have to have you talk to a couple of the other peer team or peer group providers out there too. There's Taylor Business Group, there's HTG, there's us, there's a Robin Robbins Accountability Group. You gotta make sure that Barry McKinley is the right home for you because we're not the right home for everyone. So talk to the other folks as well. We're not as nice, we're not as pretty, we're not as fun, uh, but we get results and we don't screw around and it's we're beholden to no one but you. So meditate on it for a minute, give me an email, set up a time, and talk to our competitors to make sure if you decide to go down this road that we're a good fit for you. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today. I thought it was very entertaining. Good, Carl. Excellent. I like that. No boring allowed. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Carl. Bye-bye.